Good morning, world. Happy Friday. Happy 4th of July weekend. Thank you for tuning in to Society Who. I have a uh, topic today. I wrote a blog that I want to read. And um, I'm actually pretty proud of this. And it was inspired by something I recently read. A book called Blackballed. Um, I highly recommend that book, especially for what's going on in the world today and the state of race relations in our country. Um, it's very enlightening. Uh, again, it's called uh, Blackballed by Lawrence Ross, a great author and uh, very, very good work. Um, again, I highly recommend that book, but, uh, with that, I want to get into what I wrote on my blog, Society Who, and, uh, here we go. It's called The Next Generasis. It is no secret that here in the United States of America, we are facing another crucial period in our history. The tension from race relations is on the verge of snapping like a weak Achilles tendon stretched too far. On the surface, it might even seem as though the racial division is festering faster than the coronavirus itself, but that would be misleading. Misleading because the inequities that the black community and the many non-blacks who are supporting the cause are protesting about have been a foundational and continuous theme throughout America's history. A history that is sugar-coated in our educational school books, but littered across the country with statues, monuments, symbols, and buildings serving as a stark reminder to black people about the true, unsentimental history too often ignored. I recently read a book called Blackball by Lawrence Ross. This was such an enlightening read, and I would encourage any and everyone to read this book to further grasp how racism continues to be perpetuated generation after generation. With the demographic makeup of America becoming more of a mixed ethnic melting pot, a dangerous misconception is that racism is dying or already non-existent due to minorities rapidly becoming the majority. What Lawrence Ross details so vividly in Blackballed is how experiences of black college students at American universities are plenteous with racism from the mid-1800s until present day. One of Malcolm X's greatest moments was the night he spoke at the Oxford Union in 1964. He always stated that he relished and preferred speaking to college kids because they are the ones who bring forth change, not the older generation. I agree with Malcolm X that it is the younger, college-age generation that holds the most importance to shaping the future. Racism is a taught and learned rhetoric and behavior. Blackballed highlights a continuous troubling trend where systemic racism is being taught, learned, and practiced by fraternities and sororities with little to no pushback and even sometimes assistance from university administrations on college campuses across the country. The book mentions while, according to Cornell University, only 2% of America's population is involved in fraternities, 80% of Fortune 500 executives, 
76% of U.S. senators and congressmen, 85% of Supreme Court justices, and all but two presidents since 1825 have been fraternity men. It is exceptionally worrisome that the influential reach of the Greek system that perpetuates racism as if it were a coveted family recipe extends beyond prestigious corporations and into our highest branches of government. If college youths of today and the future are America's best hope for advocating racial equality, then the future for the black community looks indistinguishable from the 19th and 20th century if significant systemic university changes aren't made, starting with the Greek system. There are currently eight states that have banned affirmative action on the premise that it would actually increase black enrollment at universities. However, black enrollment has significantly dropped and is even almost non-existent on many campuses in those states relative to the percentage of black people who make up those states' population. Even looking outside of states that don't practice affirmative action, you will find that the percentage of black students at predominantly white institutions is abysmal, to say the least. A report by the University of California's Race and Equity Center in 2018 concluded that out of 65 universities studied, black men comprise 2.4% of all college undergraduates, but 55% of football team members and 56% of basketball team members. As a former Division I basketball athlete myself, these numbers remind me exactly of how my alma mater campus demographic makeup looked. Despite going to predominantly white institutions, the systemic racism embedded in American university culture can be inconspicuous even by black athletes due to the amount of support sports programs receive. This has to change. Based on the Department of Education in 2017, men's college football generated about $32 million in revenue. Men's college basketball generated a little over $8 million in revenue. And women's college basketball brought in close to $2 million in revenue. In other words, college football and basketball are big business capitalism, exploiting the talents of many black athletes at the expense of their dignity, humanity, and equality, all while contributing, turning a blind eye, or playing ignorance to the systemic racism plaguing American universities. Maybe it is time for black collegiate student athletes and black high school students and athletes who attend predominantly white private institutions for their prestigious sports programs and curriculums to start reevaluating their options. Black students and athletes should be aware of the educational atmosphere, reputation, and social environment they will be exposed to during this essential phase of their personal development and route to the real world. It is vital that American colleges and universities place emphasis on eliminating racially-based incidents by implementing zero-tolerance policies while being held accountable for not taking stern action when called for. White superiority complex cannot be tolerated from our academic institutions who are preparing to send the future of America into real-world roles, roles that include running high-level corporations, law enforcement, public service, and shaping our legislation. We've all heard the saying, money talks. We are currently in a cancel culture environment, and I, for one, am all for it. 
in a capitalistic system such as the one America thrives on, it is time for the black community to understand and utilize the economic power we possess. This means it is the duty of the black community to come together and hold white academic establishments accountable for racial racial equality by applying pressure with the leverage black athletes have. It is time that the black community adds predominantly white institutions to the cancel culture list for black athletes because money talks. If that's what it takes to finally be heard and treated equally across all demographics, then, as Malcolm X would say, by any means necessary. If these academic institutions want to continue to pack seats at football stadiums, sell out basketball gymnasiums, receive TV ad and sponsorship revenue, and more importantly, continue to sign black recruits, then the racial inequities across academic campuses need to be addressed and rectified. Black non-student athletes are mobilizing more and more on campuses across the U.S., but their numbers on campus remain small and the economic leverage they have is nowhere near as impactful as the black student athlete. Black student athlete or not, the goal is the same, equality. It is time for the black community to demand predominantly white institutions take responsibility for ushering in the next generation and not the next generation. So, um, that's my blog post. That's the next generation. I uh, appreciate you for tuning in and listening to that. Uh, definitely came from the heart. And again, I, I feel on this issue because I uh, was a former Division One athlete myself. And I actually can understand how, uh, as an athlete, you can miss the occurrences of certain racial bias and injustice because you can be treated differently by being uh, uh, an athlete, even on smaller campuses, uh, uh, less known popular schools, um, sports players get treated a little differently, but this is a fight that black people in the black community are in together as a whole and the leverage that the black athlete has, uh, for the reasons I mentioned in this article, uh, in this blog post, um, is a reason that we need to stand up and, and help our non-student athletes uh, fight racial inequality at universities across the country. And again, I highly recommend the book Blackballed by Lawrence Ross. It's a great read. You'll learn a lot from it. And um, I encourage anyone of all races to read this book as it details vividly uh, what's been going on since the 1800s until today, uh, for all those people who think that racism is a one-off individual incident, it's not. It continues to happen. It's perpetuated. It's learned. It's taught. And that's being done um, at an alarming rate across the country on colleges, college campuses everywhere. So, again, I highly encourage you to read that book and, um, you know, 
Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. Uh, I welcome any and all comments, debates, questions, whatever you may have. But again, thank you for listening to today's episode. Until next time, signing off, Society Who.